0: Hey, friends and fellow walkers, today is a super special day because it marks the two year anniversary of this show, Jesus Never Ran. If we're not reading the Bible through Jesus and we're taking everything as equal and giving everything uh, the same weight and taking it at its face value, the Bible's an incoherent text. How can you say, listen to the cries of the poor without looking at what makes them poor? you don't have to believe certain things to be part the irony is that you can be pro-guns pro-death penalty pro-military anti-environment and still say you're pro-life but people get really uncomfortable it's like they want to have their religion and they want to have their porn they want to do both i don't think any form of Christianity deserves to survive and thrive if it doesn't come to terms with the racism of our past. When we really tell the story of Jesus, we find a God who comes to the point where it has all collapsed. If a good teacher is to get a student to get the right answers on the test, and if Jesus was supposed to get us to get the right answer for when we die, then can we just be honest and say, not a good teacher? so fun to listen to those clips in the intro and remember all the incredible interviews we've had over the last couple of years before we jump in big special thank you to angie niska with rise nutrition she's believed in this podcast from nearly the beginning of it and has been a sponsor of just about every episode we've had so again angie niska with rise nutrition you can find her at rise menominee that's rise with a z and just for jesus never ran listeners you can get a free wellness profile by clicking the link in the show notes. My whole life, people have been telling me that I should be in radio because I've always had this low voice. Even when I was a kid, I had this below average low voice. There's always been a lot of other things in my life that have been below average as well, but I digress. We'll just focus on my voice. But radio never appealed to me. And then About four years ago, I'm mowing my lawn in my beat-down riding lawnmower, putzing along, and I tune into a podcast for the very first time. A friend of mine said I should check it out, Malcolm Gladwell, Revisionist History. I listened to it, and I stopped my lawnmower, and I thought to myself, this this is what I could do. This is how I could use that below average low voice to do something special. I could podcast like Malcolm Gladwell does. Now, I don't know that that will ever be possible because he is like a podcast god. But if you've never heard his podcast, check it out. You'll hear some of the inspiration for the Jesus Never Ran podcast. And so it was in that moment that I thought, well, what if I start a podcast? And a lot of people ask me, well, where did the name Jesus Never Ran come from? Well, here's where it came from. When I decided to start the podcast, the idea behind it, the goal behind it was very, very different than it is now. My thought was, hey, we live in this world that's kind of a rat race and people don't slow down enough to do anything that matters. So it was Jesus Never Ran and the tagline was making time in your life. To make a difference in this world. And I went around and I interviewed all sorts of people that were doing just super interesting things, at least what I thought to be super interesting things. And that was where the idea of Jesus never ran came from. Had a lot of fun doing that. Still believe that that's something that's very much needed. I've left all of those episodes archived in season one. So if you ever want to hear some of the early concept, I left them up there on purpose so that people can see kind of the evolution of the show. But about a year ago, I really wanted to have... The only way I can describe it is a coming out party. For so many years, I've had questions about heaven and hell. For so many years, I've had questions about Jesus' death and resurrection, about the LGBTQ community, about why women keep being oppressed in religious circles, about God and the religious right and this political thing, this political machine that's been going on that even stormed the Capitol not that long ago. I had all of these questions, but... Nobody really wanted to engage in that dialogue in a healthy way. And because I was in evangelical circles as a career for a long time, I really had to hold my tongue, I had to hold my thoughts, I had to hold it all in. And then finally, I was in this place in my life where there was nobody holding anything over my head anymore. And so I switched Jesus Never Ran to being a podcast, a progressive faith podcast where we ask difficult questions and we're not afraid of the answers that we're going to come up with. And they're very different (laughs) than the typical evangelical church answers that many of you are probably used to. So that was my version, as I said, of a coming out party. A lot of people were worried about me. A lot of people still are worried about me. People are labeling me as a heretic. But, you know, all of the people that I really enjoy to read and listen to have been called heretics as well. So I say, finally. (laughs) we've made it so that's why we're here and i want this to be a place where we could have these conversations and people could understand that they're not alone because for over a decade i felt so alone when i wanted to talk about things because they just didn't line up with the belief system of the evangelical church and that my friends was such a lonely space to be in and i can even as i'm talking about it i can still like feel it in my heart and I can feel it in my chest because I remember how, I guess, just sad I was that we couldn't actually have healthy dialogue around these really, really important issues of our faith and really, really important issues of our world. And I was really getting frustrated that Christianity, at least the Christianity that I was a part of, were best known for three things number one they were known for being anti-lgbtq so if somebody knew that i was a christian especially if somebody knew that i worked at an evangelical church they would naturally and rightfully so believe that i believe that gay people were going to hell or at the very least that gay people that in people in the lgbtq community were sinning number two To be a Christian, to be an evangelical Christian, you had to be a Republican. I'm telling you that I grew up in a very liberal home when I became a part of the evangelical church. Nobody said this out loud, but it was very much understood that I was supposed to vote Republican. It wasn't hidden even though it wasn't said outright. And then the other thing is that to be an evangelical Christian means that... You are anti-abortion. And these are just realities. We don't have to pretend like they're not. These are absolute realities in the majority of the evangelical Christian church in America today. Here's the issue. The issue is if we look at them, specifically the LGBTQ issue, and we could go one step farther and talk about women in ministry, which is another issue in the church as a whole and the evangelical church, but these are civil rights issues, and as soon as I started thinking that way, as soon as I started realizing, hey, wait a second, I'm a person who believes so much in justice, yet I'm a part of something that is what I would say causing a civil rights issue in our world, that's when I really started having a problem. The Christianity that I dream of being a part of, the reason that I haven't just tucked my tail and ran away from it all, because I can tell you I've been tempted to do that so many times and just say, I'm not a Christian. I don't care about any of this. I just don't even want to talk about any of it. That that temptation is there, and you've probably felt it as well. But the reason that I've never done that is because I just believe there's so much better that we can be a part of. And I think that better would be a Christianity that is pro-love, first and foremost, that's pro-humanity, and that's pro-inclusion, because that's what I believe Jesus stood for. I can't find any justification in the life of Jesus of being anti-LGBTQ, of being Republican, or even being anti-abortion, but I can find all sorts of justification for being pro-love, pro-humanity, and pro-inclusion in the life of Jesus. It is so very easy to be against something. It's a bit second nature to be against other people if we're really honest with ourselves. When somebody wrongs us, we want to be against somebody else. When somebody is against us, we want to turn and do the same thing towards them. That's the easy answer every single time. But it's not something that Jesus stood for at all. In the history of the church, in the history of religion as a whole, An unfortunate reality is that we have done a great job of creating common enemies. Common enemies are a great way to get a lot of people in your church doors. It's a great way to raise a bunch of money and build really amazing buildings, but it's a horrible way to bring the kingdom of heaven down to earth, and it's an impossible way to show anybody what Jesus looks like. Jesus stood for love, Jesus stood for inclusion, Jesus stood for everybody gets to be a part of this. So as soon as we create common enemies, we are putting a rift in between ourselves and what Jesus stood for. The best way I can think to describe this is through my experience with an amazing organization called Rachel's Challenge. Rachel's Challenge is an organization that was started by the father of Rachel Scott. Rachel Scott was the first kid that was killed in the Columbine High School massacre about 20 years ago. If my daughter was killed in the way that Daryl Scott's daughter was killed, you better believe I would wanna be against some things. And one of those things I would definitely want to be against is gun violence. And I would probably become some super advocate against guns because his daughter was killed by a semi-automatic weapon that should have never been in the hands of teenage boys coming onto the property of Columbine High School. But Daryl Scott is an incredible man, and the reason that he's an incredible man, one of the reasons he's an incredible man amongst many others, is that he knew that the solution to the problem that killed his daughter was not to be against something, but to be for something. He started an organization called Rachel's Challenge, which I now have the great honor to speak for and travel around this wonderful country and tell students this incredible story of this amazing young woman. And what we do is we tell a story about a young girl who was for people. She was for love. She was for kindness. She was for compassion. And what Daryl Scott has shown me through Rachel's challenge and through the training that I have to go through is that if we can be for things there will be change as soon as we decide that we're going to be against things there will be resistance and so my hope is that as we move forward in our faith journeys that we will start to refuse the temptation to be against and we will start to accept the invitation of being for Do you guys remember, those of you who are around at this time, because I know I have some young listeners of this podcast as well, but most of you, I'm guessing, can remember the day when 9-11 happened, and you can probably even remember that whole year afterwards, There was very much so this anti-Muslim sentiment that was going out. And the Christian church was happy to raise that flag as well. We know what's right. We know what's best. Those evil Muslims, those are the people that we have to go and become against. That was our common enemy for a number of years, not just as the church, but as a country as a whole. So during that time, I was at the park with my two kids they're now teenagers at the time they were young and my wife and we were playing at a park and there was one other family at the park the other family had a couple of kids as well and their kids were playing soccer and so very naturally my two girls went over to their children and just started playing soccer with them because kids don't care what religion you are (laughs) only adults care about that stupid crap And so our kids start playing and we're literally the only two families at the park. So naturally we just move over by the other parents and start talking and we really hit it off and I could tell, or at least I could assume pretty safely based on the way that they were dressed, that they were people who were Muslim. And as we talked, that became obvious and we shared that we were Christians, they shared that they're Muslims and what we decided that the best thing that we could do moving forward was to have dinner with one another so invited them over to our house for dinner they brought some traditional food from where they originally were from which i believe was saudi arabia but don't quote me on that and we brought i don't know whatever we could make which was i think we made pizza that night (laughs) not really all that american but it was an american version of an italian idea so we had a great time together they stopped in the middle of our meal and prayed because that's the time and the day it was it was this wonderful time and we just had this beautiful dialogue about faith of us was in the business of trying to convert one another. But what I realized in that moment is that we are not enemies. We are just human beings that are trying to find the same thing. We are trying to find some sort of connection with the divine. And we can do that without creating common enemies. We can actually do that together across lines of religion, across lines of politics. And despite what you might think after a year like what we had last it is actually possible to be for one another even if we disagree on some key things in this world because Jesus was for everybody he didn't stand against people he stood against ideas for sure he stood against religion for sure but he was never in the business of standing against human beings and as soon as we decide to do that then we take one huge step backwards and we can't actually move forward in the way that our world needs us to do so. This past year, we've spent a lot of time asking a lot of difficult questions and really engaging in a healthy dialogue about what it looks like to deconstruct our faith. We've laid out all of the major questions that most people have, and we've heard some great guests share their experience and their expertise in all sorts of different areas, mostly sharing their stories so we can glean from those stories ways that we can move forward in a healthy way. The problem is that along the way and along the process of deconstruction, what I've realized in my life, and I'll only speak for myself here because I don't want to put words in anybody else's mouth. What I realized is on that road of deconstruction, I started not liking myself very well. Was the case was because I started becoming so damn cynical about everything. As a whole, I've always been a very optimistic person, but as I was in the midst of deconstructing my faith, I realized that I was becoming this human being that I didn't like that much. So even though I was excited about this process of changing the way I believed, it was turning me into somebody that I didn't wanna be. So I really had to come to terms with what am I going to do? At some point, we have to push the stop button, put a stake in the ground, and pivot to the point of action you can have conversations about what happened to you about your church hurts about how upset you are about the evangelical church about how disgusted you are about the history of church as a whole those are good and fine conversations to have but at some point those conversations need to turn and we need to become people of action and that is the place where I want to get to this year. I want to start having more conversations about how we take this progressive faith and move it forward. I want us to get to a point where we deconstruct as far as we need to for now. We can always keep going and we start moving forward anywhere, somehow, some way. And it's not going to look like how it used to look, but it is going to be something very special. So we'll continue to have Incredible, dynamic interviews because that's a bit of what this show is known for. Uh, Some of the people that we have lined up in the near future, one of my favorites, Bruxy Cavy is going to be on the show. He's a pastor from up in Canada. You may have heard of the book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye (laughs) from a ways back. It was this crazy and horrible book written by Joshua Harris who sold like a bazillion copies of it and now more recently has renounced everything that that book stood for so I reached out to him and we're going to have Joshua Harris, the author of I Kiss Dating Goodbye on the show and that is going to be spectacular we're going to have a couple of incredible young women from Arizona who have a podcast called Desert Voices, their podcast is trying to do the exact same thing that Jesus Never Ran is trying to do, so we're going to get some other podcasters on this Show as well, which is going to be a ton of fun, and of course, just more and more great guests. But on top of that, uh, you're going to hear a little bit more from me. I'm going to start unfolding things. So every once in a while, you're just going to hear my voice on this show. And then once a month, I'm going to gather a for lack of better terms, a roundtable of people. We're going to get a couple people on the show. We're going to drop a current topic right in the middle of us, and we're just going to see what happens. We're all not going to be completely like-minded. That's going to be part of the hope, but we're going to dialogue together in hopes that our dialogue will create an understanding of how we can take a current event, put our faith right in the center with it, and understand how maybe we can move forward. Forward. The reason why that is so important is because the church and people of faith in general tend to be behind when there are current things happening in our world. So eventually, the church will catch up. I mean, we can take the idea of the LGBTQ community. Eventually, it won't be the case when people who are gay, bisexual, transgender, won't be allowed in leadership or won't be allowed to be married at churches eventually that won't be the case the church will catch up but we're always so damn late in the game we were when it came to slavery we were when it came to women's rights we were when it came to so many things throughout our history I believe that we need to do a better job of putting our faith right in the circle with every current event that is happening right now and that that faith should propel us forward. Not to do any sort of evangelizing to the people that were around, but we need to understand that our beliefs and our following of Jesus should reflect in the way that we engage with our current realities. In my entire life, there's not been enough of that. So I'm hoping that in this, just a little way here at Jesus Never Ran, we can start moving those conversations forward. So I'm so excited. It'll be different people every month, but it's going to be a ton of fun. And the whole dream for this year is again, that we would put a stake in the ground and start understanding what our part is in history here. Because I believe we're at this really amazing point in history where the church as a whole, where people of faith as a whole are making a shift and we are shifting away from oppressive systems of religion and towards life giving communities and groups and nonprofits and ministries and businesses that are using faith as a springboard towards goodness and beauty and love into our world. I think we are not too far away from being at a point in our history where church as we've always known it will be no longer. And we will see new expressions of our faith that look different than anything we've ever seen before. There are three things, I think, probably more, but there's three things that I'm going to point out that are happening right now that are going to radically change the way our society is in the not-too-distant future. And it will also radically change the way our expression of faith is experienced in the near future as well. The first is that the generation that is coming up, I have two teenagers, that generation, they think, Wildly different than any generation has before them. Specifically, the point that I want to make is that the idea of being against somebody because of the color of their skin, because of their gender, because of their sexual orientation, any of that, that concept to the generation coming up underneath us is so foreign. And when they get in places of leadership, when they start businesses, when they become our educators, I mean, Things are going to change when they become our pastors, when they become our nonprofit executive directors, when they become the next new musicians and actors and artists out there. I'm telling you, our society is going to change and I don't believe that it is possible for that group of people to move into adulthood and our society to keep from changing and I couldn't be more excited about it. Another thing that is going to change the reality of our society as we know it for the better and also our faith communities and faith expressions is the reality that by the middle of this century, experts are projecting by the year 2050, non-white Americans are going to outnumber white Americans. Slowly but surely, white Americans are going to become the largest minority in the world. And I hope that doesn't scare you because all that means is we are going to become more and more of a diverse country and that can only be for the better. The final thing that I want to point out, and there's so many other things I could put out here, but the final thing that I want to point out is that we are in the midst of seeing women take more and more spaces of leadership in our world, in our government, in our churches, in our businesses, all over the place. And that oh my gosh is such a great thing it's a long time coming it's going to radically change the way that things go men have messed up this world for long enough we need more women in those leadership roles and as more and more women rise up to the place that they've belonged for a long time it's going to change so much for the better and it's going to be amazing and we're all going to be better for it There are some of you out there today that have listened to this podcast from day one. There's others of you today who maybe this is the first Jesus Never Ran podcast you've ever listened to. However many you've listened to, however long you've been in this journey with me, I just from the bottom of my heart want to say thank you because this is just my passion being poured out into this microphone and I'm so excited that we've been around for two years and hopefully have decades in front of us yet to come. I am believing that Jesus Never Ran is going to go beyond just being a podcast. I have all sorts of plans and ideas, things that I will unveil as they come about and as they become a reality. And uh, you can be sure that if you're listening to this podcast, you will be the first people to hear about whatever those next steps are. And whatever they are, they're going to be collaborative. They're going to be things where we're linking arms with other like-minded, progressive Christian people who are desiring so much for love and Inclusion and acceptance to be a part of our faith journey together. There's some of you listening right now that have dreams in your heart of things that you're feeling prompted to do because of your faith. And you're wondering if it's even possible. And you're wondering if it's going to matter if you actually did it. And all I want to say to encourage you is that you'll never find out if you don't try. You'll never find out if that dream that you have to bring more love into our world will become a reality unless you somehow step out in faith and do it. I'm the type of person that literally quit his job and just dove in headfirst. i I'm not saying that you need to do that, but start somewhere, take some small step of action today to bring about that thing that's deep within your heart. I believe that God somehow, some way, some shape, some form planted that within you by making you who you are (laughs) and so let that out. Let that become a reality in our world. Because like I already said, our expressions of faith moving forward are going to look so much different than they have in the past. And you might just have something very special that needs to be a part of your community, your household, your world as a whole. And if you don't take at least one small step of faith, so many of us might be missing out. When I pushed record for the first time in my camper behind my house to record the first episode of Jesus Never Ran, never in a million years did I believe that tens of thousands of people would listen to this show. That never crossed my mind. That wasn't the purpose of why I was doing it. So the reality that that has indeed happened is mind blowing. And had I not taken the time to grab the microphone, to grab the computer and just push record, there's so many people that would have missed out. And that's not me blowing up my ego or tooting my own horn. That's just me remembering so many of you responding to this show with thankfulness and feelings of knowing that you're not alone and feelings of believing there's something better for our future. So whatever it looks like to push record in your life, I challenge you. As soon as you possibly can, as soon as you can muster up the courage to do it, push the record button, jump into whatever that thing is that you think you're being prompted to do to bring more love, inclusion, and beauty into this world that we're living in. There is a better tomorrow if we keep walking towards it.